Are you thinking about starting your own cash practice? Maybe you've already started your own practice and you're starting to realize that there's a lot to learn when it comes to business. We can be great clinicians, but if we don't understand the business side of having our own practice, we're going to have a hard time being successful in business. Guys, I wrote a book for you and I took everything that I've learned over the last five years of running successful cash practice here in Atlanta. And I put it in this book and I gave you everything that you need to be able to start and scale that practice past yourself. That book is called Fuck Insurance. And if you don't like the title, the book is not for you. If you do like the title, it's the exact book that you need to be reading right now. I show you exactly how to start. I show you what's important when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales, when it comes to operations, and what stage you're actually at in the business. You know, where you're at, what you need to focus on while you're there, and how to get to the next stage. I'm trying to set it up in a way where you can get some clarity in your business. And the book for now is 100% free. All you have to do is go to finsurancebook.com. That's finsurancebook.com and get your free copy of the book that I wrote specifically to help you be successful in business. The book is free. All you got to do is pay for it to get to your door so that I don't lose my shirt on giving everybody all these books and sending them around the world. And again, head to finsurancebook.com. Learn how to run a successful cash practice today. So here's the question. How do physical therapists like us who don't want to see 30 patients a day, who don't want to work home health and have real student loans create a career and life for ourselves that we've always dreamed about? This is the question and this podcast is the answer. My name is Danny Matei and welcome to the PT Entrepreneur Podcast. What's up, guys? Doc Danny here with the PT Entrepreneur Podcast, and I got Chelsea Matthews on, owner of Catalyst Physical Therapy and Performance in Nashville, Tennessee. She's got a gym-based practice, which is inside, I think it's CrossFit Rising Sun. Is that the name of the, the, the practice? I'm in CrossFit East Nashville. East Nashville. Sorry. CrossFit East Nashville. Um, great city. I, I was in Nashville a couple times. You guys have an awesome, uh, it's, like a, it's like the best kept secret in the Southeast, I think. You guys have a great town. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I grew up here uh, like 45 minutes outside of the city and it's grown so much. And yeah. It's a really fun place to come to the weekend. For sure. It seems like Nashville and Atlanta have like exploded over the last kind of like 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I totally see, I, I see why Nashville's got the big country music scene. You guys got some, some, uh, some yeah. cool stuff, a lot of like horse farms. I taught down in Franklin and I was like, dude, what? the heck do people do down here? These massive horse farms everywhere. And uh, so I guess maybe they're musicians. I don't know. Yeah. Franklin's beautiful. Yeah. It's like a, a really nice area of Nashville. But yeah. Country music, good food now too, which is probably the, my favorite part of Nashville. Yeah. Like, well, we got a Hattie B's down here. So we got a, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's the only one outside of Nashville's, but outside of Nashville, but uh, there might be a couple other ones, but that place is always just absolutely crushed. Like it's just slammed all the time. Yeah. That's cool. Did you try it? Oh yeah. Of course. What do you think? I thought it was really good. Our, our kids, uh, our kids loved it. I mean, it was, it's, it's really good. They got some great fried chicken. Um, but you know, aside from Nashville fried chicken and music and all that, you guys are, you're doing some really cool stuff in a cash practice, uh, that you started and really as of now, kind of focusing on the running, uh, you know, uh, the running niche and, and everybody's out running. We we're just talking about that. Everybody's home more. Um, so what, what I'd love to do is, is first of all, I love to highlight sort of how you became a physical therapist. I think everybody kind of like, you know, has their, you know, what led them down that route, uh, just decide to go into school for that long and, and, uh, and pursue that. And then kind of how you got into business. So let's start, let's start with this. So why did you become a PT? What made you decide to do that? 
Yeah. So I was a chemistry major actually in um, college. I had no idea I was going to be a physical therapist. I was really interested in natural medicine. So I graduated school with a chemistry degree, had no idea what I was going to do. So I bartended for a while <laughs> and then nice. just figured my thought chemistry process, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let me step away from everything that I know and love and I'll see what I miss. And that'll give me some guidance, you know, and when I was in school, I taught chemistry. So I really loved teaching. I loved problem solving. I'm a big like, three dimensional thinker and I loved being active. And I thought anatomy was really cool. Like the kind of think like an engineer in some ways. Yeah. So I took a step away and then shadowed a physical therapist. And I was like, this is everything I love. So here we go. And that's how I became. How long, so how long did it take for you to get there? So you're, you know, you're, you're bartending, you're, you're teaching a little <laughs> bit. Like what was it? How long until you were like, yeah, I got to do this. So let's see. I bartended for probably, it didn't take long. Honestly, it took like four or five months. I think I was always so like driven as, yeah. as a young kid that I just needed to step away from everything. So like three, four months and then, and then I figured it out and then I was ready to go. So I was a waiter for years and I was always so jealous of bartenders because I always felt, I was like, man, they have a cooler job. They don't seem to, like no one really seems to yell at them as much as I would get yelled at. And, and uh, yeah, unless you screw their order up. But what do you feel like, I feel like as a waiter, I learned a lot of skills that I still use. Uh, like, do you feel like you have some skills you, gen you learned as a bartender that you, you transferred over to what you, you do now? I think so for sure. Like you just, you can talk to anybody, right? Like absolutely anybody, which I think is important, especially once you get into the business development phase yeah. of just being able to find common ground with anybody that you meet. And yeah, sales. I think you learn sales in a roundabout way. And huh. just skills. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like upselling people to another drink. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And you just find clever ways, you know, like you sure you don't want another round. You want another round. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's so funny. I do think that, uh, the interpersonal skills that you have to develop the emotional intelligence of striking up a conversation with a random stranger and being able to like, not make that awkward, um, is helpful in a number of different ways. I would assume also with, you know, you're not just your patients, but also connecting with people in the, in the area. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the, probably the biggest skill I would think is just networking and marketing and finding people again, that common ground with whoever it is you meet and then yeah. relaying that into whatever you want to talk about with them. Yeah. 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 And for you, so from, <clears throat> from there, so, you know, decide, all right, I'm going to go to school. Did you already have all your prereqs? Did you have to go back and finish some more of those? Or were you, were you like basically apply ready to go? I was ready to go actually, because what I was going to do was go into a natural pharmaceutical. So I had all the pre farm recs, which luckily transferred right over. So mm. um, off I went. Yeah. So when you graduated, where did you work after graduation before starting your own practice? So I worked in three different clinics. I worked in two of the larger, you know, see three to four patients an hour type clinics. And yeah. then I went to private practice. And basically I was trying to figure out, you know, I had this idea of what I wanted to do. And it's like, okay, well, does that, does what I want to do fit into any of these places? No. Okay. Then I'll create something. So did you have like a specific moment you know i, I definitely uh, i had like a realization was like i can't do crap this crap anymore did, yeah. did you have a, a, a very specific moment where you were like man i i just i want to see people a certain way i'm not able to do it i've got to do my own thing or was it just sort of like you had this more planned out i think 
I've always been pretty entrepreneurial. Like I had several different invention ideas when I was younger. I always knew I wanted to do this type of thing. Like what what ideas? Let's let's hear them. Yeah, yeah. So my first idea, which actually went to market, I was like behind the game, was to do. I was in college and I was like, you know what? Everybody loves caffeine. Like, why don't I make these caffeine packs with no calories in them? Mm. Like, and people could just add it into whatever they were drinking in college, and then it went to market. So I, I missed that one, but nice. good idea. Um, and then I had an idea for an app when I was in PT school that would allow people to share photos in a way that was HIPAA compliant, but then found out that that had already gone to market too. So mm. I was kind of like thinking of ideas. And, um, so then let's see my moment. I think it was, it was a little bit gradual, but I started getting enough people that were being sent to me directly for what the style that I took and the approach that I took. And then I got an opportunity to work with a, um, a local sports team in a consultant way. And I was like, you know what? It's time. Like, I'm ready. So I just took the jump and like one month later, doors are open. All right. Let's talk about the business side of things because you know, it's, you jump in and you, you decide, all right, I'm, I'm doing this. What, what was the hardest thing about starting your practice that maybe you underestimated? Good question. I would say for me, the hardest part was all of the, and it sounds generic, I'll specify down, but all of the things that you have going through your brain at the same time, like at how difficult it becomes to turn your brain off. I think that was like the challenge for me was great. I enjoyed that part of it, but just all, all these different hats that you have to wear. And mm. for someone like me, that's a bit more of an ideas person and not the most organized person. I had to quickly learn how to become very organized and uh, stay on top of things that I normally, you know, wouldn't prioritize as much. Yeah. That's actually a great point. You know, there, there's a, there's a book called uh, rocket fuel where they talk about this concept of um, two different sort of, personality subtypes, I guess, with this. one is called a visionary and the other one is called an integrator, right? So uh, you, you would fall into that, what the visionary category is, right? You like ideas, you like thinking of stuff, being creative, you're, you're quick to, you know, try something. Uh, integrator is somebody that's sort of like got a plan A, B, C, and D, but they also like systems and processes and they like to make sure that they, like they finish everything. They never have like a half read book. Uh, you know, and, and what's interesting is uh, usually visionaries are ones that start businesses. But they started to realize very quickly that they, they're sort of running and gunning and they're not actually like organizing anything. And then they start to create a lot of problems for themselves. So for, for you, like what, what did you notice as you're, as you're just kind of like figuring it out and seeing what would work? Where, where did things start to drop off where you realize like, man, I really need to get some better organization with this? Good question. So I, there was a certain threshold that I was, I was busy, busier, busier. And then I had this tipping point where like, I was so busy that I couldn't continue with the poor organizational habits that I had. Like it caught up to me. And once I reached this point, I was like, you know what? Like there's little things that I'm missing and that feels awful because this is my business and everything's on me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was once I hit a certain busy point and now I'm to the point where I'm looking at hiring and it's like, okay, well, how do I bring in somebody that can handle the more of the not the visionary type. Yeah, yeah. What what things do you feel like we're falling through the cracks that that uh, you know because the little things are what make the experience for people really memorable or what they call like remarkable, like worthy of remark and or worthy of trashing you if you don't do what you say you're going to do. So like what what little things do you feel like you were just sort of not keep being able to keep up with. Yeah, you know, little details like invoicing people. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that or just, let's see, responding to emails, responding to text messages. It was like I was running and running and running and I would miss these little contact points with clients. And yeah. Do that two times and realize how terrible that feels. And then you know, you never want to do that again, you know? Totally. And it, so at, at this point, so you're looking to bring on um, like an admin at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. This is going to be a game changer for you, by the way. You're going to love it. And the reason why is because everything you just mentioned that you were kind of dropping the ball on, that person's going to love it. Because what you have to do, and this actually is a, a really something that, that can be really helpful um, on, a, I think it's Rocket Fuel's website. Uh, there's, a, there's actually a test in there. You can, you can have your potential hire go through and make sure that they fall into the integrator category, not the visionary category. Because you want them to be like, and, and you can kind of tell who somebody is like super detail oriented. You want to make sure that they are like organized on the back end. They like everything, you know, to be, you know, like sequential and, and uh, they're, they're quick to develop systems for themselves. And, and that's usually what an admin is like amazing at. So for you, make sure that you, you go through that because that'll help you so much. What are like the first couple things you want to totally like dump on somebody else to never have to do again? Mm, let's see. Uh, let's see. Running, scheduling and invoicing yeah. and <laughs> contacting emails and phone calls and all the contact points so I can just focus on you know, creating stuff. Ideally. Thank you for the rocket fuel idea. Though. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like, how do I figure out? Cause I know that's what I need, you know, like how do you figure that out in an interview? There's a, you know, there's just so many different little personality assessments out there and things like that. Like, uh, but yeah, that's one that, that I like quite a bit because, uh, it just made a lot of sense to me. I was like, yeah, I'm not an integrator at all. Like it makes a lot of sense. Why for me, I had the same problem. I got to a certain point. I think it was when I was probably around like 15 to 20 patient visits a month or a, a week when I started just feeling like really overwhelmed with, um, you know, manually trying to keep up with these, this structure I've created for myself, but had taught nobody else. And it wasn't repeatable. It was, it was kind of just like, Oh yeah, well I do this and that. And then that's how I get to this thing. And it's like, dude, that's the slowest way to go about it. Why don't you just do this thing? And you know, that's where somebody that's, you know, really an integrator, a very organized individual. And then for me, this is Ashley, like, you know, she, runs the operations of our business. She's the reason why I'm not in a windowless room in a CrossFit gym by myself anymore. Like, you know, it's, it's otherwise it, it would have just been me. And that, that kind of support is super, super helpful. I just happen to be married to somebody that, that works, you know, we work together in the business. You don't have to do that. Like you need to just find somebody that offsets your skill set. Cause if you find another person that's a visionary, what's going to happen is you guys are going to sit in a room together. And you're going to get all excited about some shit that'll never happen. You know, you'll just, you'll just come up with ideas and nothing will actually like get, get, uh, fulfilled on. And like you, you probably are, you probably have friends like this that you just love just being like, dude, let's have a brain, you know, a storm session. You're right. And like your whiteboard is full yeah. of crap. Yeah, <laughs> but, I've had like seven other business ideas, but I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, just focus. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Like it's, it's sometimes that's the hardest part. Like, do you, do you notice, you know, with, with, with your schedule and with business in general is, mm -hmm. Is that harder for you to try to like stay on task and like really focus on one thing? Mm. Yeah, I, I remember hearing like shiny object syndrome when I first started. I've heard from you or Eve. And yeah. Like, what is that? Oh, that is me. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I definitely get that. I've had to learn. I've had to learn to rein it in. And it's definitely tougher for me to take the time. I, I think I kind of hit that same point as you at that 15, 20 patient mark where it starts to become a struggle unless you bring somebody on. And it's a struggle for me to take the time that I know I need to take to organize and do yeah. more administrative things for sure. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, you know, now with, a, with a, I mean, everybody's sort of 
stuck at home somewhat and, and we, have, we have some forced downtime. Um, we've definitely, you know, taken this time to really focus on some infrastructure that, uh, systems that we've been wanting to do for a while. Have you, have you done the same? Yes. Yeah. So I'm working on developing videos and procedures and everything so that when I do hire somebody, it's a lot more of a seamless process. Oh my um, gosh. Nice to have that time for sure. What's well, huge. And then I think also for you, like we spent, God, I don't even know, six months going through that hiring course, uh, of how to like, how to bring somebody on, but also once you do, how to effectively train them up. Because, you know, one of the mistakes people make, make they're just like, okay, cool, you figure this out for me, right? And uh, the, the person you hire is like, not going to want to do that and probably not equipped to do that. Uh, and, you know, versus giving them some very clear instructions of like what you want, you know, done. And then, hey, if you find a better way, let me know and let's talk about it. You know, and, and, and the easiest thing to do is just screen flow videos, right? Like here's like, man, I do these all the time. Like just make a video of it put it up, save it in a Google folder or whatever it is. And then now it's your reference video for training that person up. And it goes so much faster if you can really start chipping away at those, you know, a little bit at a time versus spending a week basically trying to capture everything that you do in, in a video format. So, you know, when, when you go through that process, which you're at right now, you're kind of at this, you know, I'm, I'm busy, but time poor stage, you know, what, what, uh, what, what's that hiring process look like for you so far? Have you started like creating the, who you want kind of avatar? Have you reached out to anybody yet? Have you had any interviews at this point? Yeah. So I was, I reached this point right before or the, like, okay, I'm ready to hire a point right before all this happened. So yeah. I'm placing a pause in the hiring part yep. of it, but I've definitely been giving a lot of thought of you know, what are my weaknesses and how do I hire somebody that is strong in those areas? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, what's the thing that you like most about being in business uh, for yourself? So like being an entrepreneur, being, you know, self-employed, what do you like the most about it? Being creative for sure. Hands down. It's so cool to be able to uh, like, for example, there's a possibility that I'm going to be doing some online course creation for another company. I'll know that in a couple of weeks. And for me, that's, that's my dream to do that type of thing. And I've always been, I think a bit of a visionary in some ways. And when you're that way, people tell you, Oh, you're too much of a dreamer or, you know, maybe don't set the bar quite so high. And there's always, this kind of thing, well, it has to be possible. Right. So to yeah. be able to create this thing that you know, wouldn't be possible if you hadn't gone into business for yourself is hands down the most rewarding thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is, uh, is the, is the most fun part about all of it, right? And uh, I was talking to somebody today and, and they, they were like, hey, if you, if you had to go back to like your normal job, like whatever, like go, for me, it would have been go back in the army and be a, and be a provider, which is a little different, but I imagine like a hospital or, or a traditional clinic, yeah. it, you know, he's like, w would you be able to do that? I was like, I would do it, but I wouldn't be very happy, you know? Right. And I look back on it and I think sometimes like that's, that's what, when I was in the army, so many times I got turned down for things I thought were going to be like great like transitions to make. And they're, they're like, well, the military, the, the army's a big ship. It turns really slowly is what they would say all the time. I'm like this ship sucks. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's frustrating, you know, cause, cause you want to try to do these things. But that being said, how many times have you had something you were like, I'm going to kill it with this. And it didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, that's like you said, it's one of the hard parts too. You have all these ideas and, I definitely had an idea for a different digital platform that I wanted to do and started interviewing people and realized that wasn't really going to work. So um, as I think as the years go on, and I'm sure it's the same for you, you have this kind of like barometer in your head. Like, ah, I might be getting a little bit off course. And so over time I've learned, but yeah, it don't all work out. Well, how do you, how do, so how do you make those decisions? How do you make the decisions on like, man, this is worth my time. This is not worth my time. Hmm. I think 
what I do is dig into it enough to get the answers. So, and I think maybe it's the same for you. I don't know. I'd be curious, like as you have more of these ideas and you start to, so I'll interview potential um, clients and who I think might be a good fit for the product and see what they would be willing to pay versus what I would need to charge based on how many hours I would need to put in. And typically for me, that will quickly flush it out. Um, yeah. Like, you know, they're willing to pay 29 bucks and it's going to take you 10 hours of your time to develop a product for every single client. And so I guess more running numbers is how I decide. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, for you, you're doing your, you know, kind of running specific stuff right now, you know, and uh, uh, so some of it I think is, is does it, does the niche interest you? Right. I think, you know, yeah. <clears throat> that's a huge part of it. Totally. I think it's, I think it's the niche interests you and whether or not you can identify with their pain points and their struggles. Yeah. You know, like, you know what it's like to be in their shoes and be in that really frustrating place that every client is in when they come to us. And if you get that, I think that's huge too. Uh, the, well, f- from a messaging standpoint, I had someone, uh, who told me this, Someone once told me, if you, can de- if you can describe someone's problem better than they can describe it themselves, you're inherently the solution to the problem. So yeah. like, yeah. so, you know, and this is what good marketing really is, right? So like, if you can say to a runner, like, hey, I get it, you know, you're stuck at home with your kids, you're trying to manage stress, and the way you do so is you get out and run. You know, it's movement meditation, yeah. it's how you clear your head, and, you know, your foot hurts and you can't run. Like, that sucks. So, you know, like let's, and, and from there you can segue into how you can help solve that problem. But, but you've already described like what they like so much about the thing that they do. And the only way to really know that is either to have gone through it yourself and, or to be so familiar with the, the group of people that you can really talk specifically to their pain points with the verbiage that they use, you know, like, and, and you and I were, you know, have strong backgrounds in CrossFit. If you want to see a population where it's very apparent whether you know anything about CrossFit or not, all you have to do is just have a conversation with somebody about CrossFit. And within about 30 seconds, you, you can tell if they actually do it or they don't do it based on verbiage that they use, the way they describe their gym, if they call a gym or a box, right? Do they, do they talk about Olympic lifts, you know, openly? And do, I mean, when you hear somebody say like they're having trouble with doing some named workout, you're like, man, I hate doing Fran. And if somebody says that and they have no idea what CrossFit is, they're going to, ha- I mean, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right. But if, okay. if you know what, what that is, it's just a benchmark workout, then all right, cool. You're, you're in the club. Right. So this is where I think it gets very challenging for people that are trying to break into niches that they are not inherently a part of and or familiar with. It's very, uh, you know, inauthentic. So, you know, for you working at CrossFit gym, also working with runners, you know, how have you made that transition between the, the two and, and be credible within, uh, within both of them? Yeah, so I have always explored a lot of different types of movement. Yeah. So like I rock climbed for a couple of years. I ran for a couple of years. I did CrossFit. So I've always been a bit of a dabbler with, and I think part of that's just I like new things and I like trying new things. So I think that's just the way you are. You've just described that in your business too, right? You're like, yeah. hey, I guess I like being creative. So I, I totally feel you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So having delved into lots of different types of movements, and I find that that challenge really cool of being able to look at somebody like I don't know, say I'm working with a, a gymnast and being able to watch their movement and analyze their movement because I am so visual I really love diving into the sport with them yeah and I just find a lot of interest in it so I think that's what's helped me be successful in that way is just being very genuinely interested in the type of movement that they do and being willing to go home and look up like all right how do gymnasts train and google it and just taking that much interest in what they do 
Yeah, just 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 becoming interested interested in what they are interested in. I think is a is, is a big one. Is it's a it just helps from a connection standpoint as well. But but when when we look at you know what you've done and and what you're what you're trying to do with your business, if you go back and tell yourself anything, give yourself some advice starting out. What would you tell yourself? Ooh, from the get go of business. Let's see. What would I tell myself? That's a tough one. Probably to, if I can go back to when I originally started the business, and I think when you first start, there's this feeling of I gotta hustle, I gotta hustle, I gotta get everybody in, and it feels like you don't have time to slow down, I think, or that's how I felt at least. And then once I got to that 15, 20 patient mark, I realized, oh, if I had taken some time to slow down, this would have been a lot more of a smooth process. So I think a little bit of that was like scarcity mindset, but if I could go back and tell myself like, cool. You're going to grow. Just keep working hard. Also take like four hours a week to organize yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also sleep a little bit, right? Is that- <laughs> yeah, uh, what, what do you want your company to look like over the next couple of years? Like if you have a vision for catalyst, like what does that look like in the Nashville area? Yeah. So my, my five-year goal is to be 90% digital oh, and wow. to develop course creation and go down that platform. I really, I love being in Nashville. It's an amazing city. I'm from here. I love people here and I have a big vision of what I want to do I think as you know there are still so many people that get told that they have to stop running because their MRI says this or stop doing this because it's bad for their joints and I'm just really passionate about getting that information out to people because I think it doesn't get to the people that need to hear it the most yeah so I know the bigger I can grow on the online presence the more I can get that message across to people yeah the on the online stuff is interesting and I know that you know, you've had a couple of conversations with, with our business partner, Jared, about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the digital business side of things. And I think for a lot of people, they're, they're forced to look at this a little differently now as well. You know, with, with, uh, with what's happened with our practices, with sort of this global pandemic that has forced a lot of down regulation and volume, but also um, not just us, but lots of service businesses, right? And, and really look at innovation on the digital side. And, and, I, I think that uh, there, we're going to sort of see a lot, a lot more of that inherently out of, you know, just necessity. Um, you know, for you going this 90% digital route, uh, what, what else is appealing to you with that besides just the fact that you can reach more people? Let's see. Yeah. I can reach more people. I love the idea of, I'm a big traveler. That's my biggest hobby in life. So I personally love the idea of being able to work from somewhere else in the world. And sure. I really love working with clients from other parts of the world because it's my way to travel without traveling yeah and and it's I think it's another way to be even more creative or it feels that way to me that to be able to develop courses and develop content and reach all these people it's yeah and teaching I love teaching I was you know I was a tutor um that was actually like my first business was being a chemistry tutor so I love the the way of being able to teach um but not necessarily through university I, I totally agree with you. I have a, a couple of programs through the ready state and one of them is like this little knee self-treatment program. And, uh, I remember when I, I basically, you know, licensed the rights, uh, for, for them to, um, ha- house it on their, on their, uh, storefront, um, where people can get it through their site. I had a guy from Norway, his name, like this, is the most stereotypic guy from Norway, his name, his name is Sven, like literally like the reindeer from, uh, frozen. And, uh, he, he wrote, he wrote me and he was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I went through your program. My knee feels so much better. I just want to say thanks. And I was like, Holy crap. I've never met this guy. He's in a completely different part of the country. He went through some six week program I put together that I just, you know, developed for, for his knee issue that he had and it helped. 
And I got to leverage my skill set in a different way. And it was like a really profound moment for me. This was years ago. I remember when, when I got it, I was like, damn, that was crazy. You know, and I think as practitioners, and I know you have, you have manual therapy background and I do as well. And it's like, sometimes I wonder if we feel like for our own ego, we need to put our hands on people, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I do think there's definitely some benefit to it. Uh, obviously, uh, people, you know, human touch has been around for ver- as long as there's been humans and, and, uh, people gravitate towards that and they, we see changes with it and all that. But in some cases I wonder, yeah, if it's, if it's more for our own ego, I'm fixing this person and less about, Hey, they need to really change habits of what they're doing, which is usually the back end of how we're working with people. So, you know, for you, how have you adapted with what you're doing now, not being able to be hands-on with people so much for, for the virtual work you're doing with people? Yeah. So I started out very heavily hands-on. Um, so it's been an interesting transition for me. Now I'm probably a 99% hands-off. Yeah. Uh, but I started doing online programming and training. I trained clients while I was also working my 40 hours a week in a regular facility. And I started to learn how well exercise could do what I was doing as a manual therapist. So it sort of naturally evolved for me. And then I really enjoy um, the empowerment piece of, I definitely think hands-on has its place, but I do enjoy the empowerment piece of, you know what, even if you don't see me for four months, you have these tools that you need to, to do what you need to do. So, yeah. I think that's the direction that so many people are going to have to realize, you know, they, they have to, they have to go. I think, you know, with, with us being sort of more performance-based providers and everybody in our mastermind is very similar to that in, 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 in many ways. Uh, you know, we, we maybe uh, view it a little different than the traditional profession. And, and, you know, even I had somebody that was a massage therapist came up to me. Uh, that's a, that's one of our sort of referral partners. She was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And I was like, there's plenty of things you can do. You know, you talk to people about all kinds of stuff, you know, when, when you work with them and, and, you know, it, it, it's some of it's stress management work, some of it's, you know, breathing, some of it's, I mean, like so much more than just using your hands. And I think even for providers like that, they think, oh, this is why people come to me. And, and in some cases that's true, but man, what other skills do you have? Because like, if, if you, if we couldn't see people anymore, right. In person, I mean, we would, we would figure it out. We would make it work and we could be successful with that. I think that other people need to realize, you know, what those skills are and in some cases develop those, but, but yeah, reloading is huge, right? I mean, if you're just like soft tissue passively trying to fix something and you never reload, it's going to be hard to save that change, you know? So for you, what's, what are some of the, the things that you found that are challenging about working with people remotely that you're still kind of trying to, uh, you know, systemize and improve somewhat? Yeah, I would say, System-wise, inherently, I think with online work, there's more contact points than there are when you work with people one-on-one in person. I'm not sure why that is, but it's easier for them to check in, and there's just more communication that goes in between sessions. So making sure to keep up with that from a system standpoint, I'm figuring out and always trying to improve that. And then from a treatment standpoint, I think it's developing a verbal, a different level of verbal communication with them. And some of this I got, I had a Pilates uh, certification when I was in PT school and, but just being able to cue patients with no hands whatsoever, having more verbiage that you can use for that. Um, Especially if you're working with someone online, it's maybe, I had someone last week that's never even done physical therapy before. So just getting really strong at communication of this is what this is, this is what we're going to be doing. Know your right, drop the right side of your hip down just like an inch, and knowing that that's going to achieve it, the movement that you want it to achieve. So it's a lot more verbal communication. Yeah, which is a whole other uh, skill set of cueing, you know, uh, tactile versus verbal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that's from what I've found, the best coaches are the ones that can get somebody to do what they want in a group, not touching anybody, you know, yeah. and they usually 
it's 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 an it's sort of a uh, innate ability to relate like the cue to the right person that's going to make sense to them based yeah. on also what sort of their background is. I saw so one say one of one of uh, the best coaches I've ever worked with. He's out in Hawaii. Um, he's like the strength coach for for the division uh, where I was assigned. And he was so good about this. And I remember he was going over some deadlift technique stuff with me. And he knew that my background was like baseball. I played baseball a lot growing up. And, uh, you know, and he was going over some hinge position stuff. And he was like, hey, all right, show me how you take a ground ball. And I did. He was like, cool. Now that's your deadlift. He's like, makes sense. He's like, loaded hip. I was like, done. Got it. Like, wow. it instantly, like, connect the dots for me. And I was like, damn, this guy's a, like a ninja. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, I think that's a, a huge, a huge challenge for a lot of folks. And, and, uh, you know, I know there's plenty of people out there that have courses over or how, on how to do that, they, where they can learn. For you, what's something that you've learned recently that you think has been awesome that you would want to share with, uh, with everybody? Hmm. Or a book that you read. I think uh, that's another one I throw out there to you. Oh, cool. Yeah. Let's see. Book for sure. Let's see. What's the one that Jared recommended to me? Deep Work. Oh, it's a good book. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, just, and I've definitely put that into practice, just putting my phone away and giving myself the space to create things. And then other thing I would say is with everything that's going on, I've just been pretending that it's never going to change. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, in, in terms of your business, you mean like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like just telling myself, okay, this is, I am fully digital now, even though I know there's this good, big likelihood that things are going to go back to normal. Right. But I think the options that you give yourself in your mind will quickly determine what the approach that you take. Mm. So by not giving myself this option of going back to, you know, in-person work, even though I know I will, I've been able to problem solve and find solutions that I don't think I would have found if I had it in the back of my brain that I could fall back on that. Wow. Well said. I think that's really, uh, it's very wise to look at it that way, right? You're, you know, sort of, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's where the burn the ship strategy, right? Like, you know, you're, you're, you don't have a choice. You're going to either make it work or, or you're going to go out of business, you know? And, and I think for a lot of people that just focuses their attention so well. Um, that's awesome. So if people want to learn more about what you're doing, they want to connect with you or see what, what's up with Catalyst, where can they learn more? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at CatalystPT. You can shoot me a DM anytime. And that's really the best place to find me. Cool. Keep it simple. Instagram. Check, check you out. Check out all the cool running technique work that you're doing and, and uh, you know, content. Chelsea, this is awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. It's been fun to get a chance to work with you and see how you've evolved. And I'm really excited to see how you do with all of the digital side of your business, you know, over the next uh, over the next year. I think you've got a great opportunity to, you know, get really close to that 90%, um, you know, digital. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. You got it. Anytime. See ya. Hey, wait a minute. Just to let you guys know, we are closing in on 200 views on iTunes. That's crazy. Most podcasts hardly get to 100 views, let alone 200. And this is such a niche-specific PT business podcast. That's wild. So let's try to rally the troops and get to 200 reviews for this podcast. The first thing you need to do is you got to sub- subscribe to this sucker, whether it's on iTunes or any other platform that you're listening to on, so you know when new episodes are coming out. The next thing, make sure that you leave a review. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I read all of them. It means a lot to me. Next thing, guys, take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it in your stories on Instagram and tag me in it. That's at Danny Matei PT. If you do this, I will repost it. So you'll get a bump. I'll get a bump. We'll share this information with a lot more people because that's the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of a lot more people. So take a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories, tag me in it, and I will repost it. So here we go. Let's try to get to 200 reviews for the podcast. Thanks for listening.